0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful
1: throw by the Baker. Big job. Hasta la vista, baby. Welcome to the OBR Film Breakdown, which is brought to you on the Blue Wire Podcast Network by TickPick. P-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash breakdown where you can get $10 off your first ticket purchase from the original no-fee site. Trust me on this. Go to the website. Use that backslash breakdown and you will not be disappointed. One of the best ticket sites on the market. Just trust me on this. Use that slash breakdown. Go there through your web browser. Take advantage of the great prices at TickPick.com. So a couple things before we get started. Um, about the defense I want to make reference to which was a pretty popular thing going around uh, about the Browns uh, situation with their uh, with with players and rivalries and uh, wanting certain guys to uh, take things more serious and and not uh, you know kind of like there's this belief out there that you should the players on the, and the organization should hate rivals or not do things when uh you know not not do a Halloween party after a game they lost I just kind of need to remind folks that your perception of the rivalry or your hatred of the Steelers the Ravens or whoever is not the same as modern day football players a reminder that most of you who listen to this podcast are over the age of people playing in the NFL. The 20 to 30 age range is the NFL. Very popular, very dense in that like 22 to 27, 28 range. These are different types of young athletes than you were back in the day. Back in the day, you used to probably hate your crosstown rival or whatever. I mean, I was playing high school athletics from the O four to oh seven range and we didn't have any contact or any means of communication with cross town rivals and we hated them by by sheer force of we were just supposed to hate them and you know i i think that once i actually got to know those guys whether through joining up through like a legion baseball or whatever actually pretty cool guys and if i would have communicated with them you know, before the, 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 the rivalries and hatred that was ingrained in us before then probably wouldn't have had the same feelings about them, probably would have felt a little less animosity. I don't know, but I think that's something that social media has opened up the floodgates with is like people getting to know people, whether through whatever app or whatever lines of communication are readily available through cell phones these days. And there's just less like, I hate that rival or that team or that player because of it you got to remember the nfl these are the one percenters these guys know each other through college or alumni they are in the same recruiting circles because they're getting recruited by a lot of the same colleges they know each other through combine uh, circles going through you know high school to college combines or nfl these guys know each other so like when Baker Mayfield plays the Ravens. He's not going to not get together with Mark Andrews, a college teammate or or whoever because he hates the Ravens. Like your hatred for rivals and your perception of things is different than what these younger athletes feel. So, you know, if you're expecting them not to do certain things just because maybe they lost a game or it's like I hate the Steelers and all their they don't think that way. Not only because it's silly to think that people you know, this is their job and they can't associate with other players or player. They want to win. They're going out there and competing, but there's not a hatred the same way you have a hatred for certain teams or certain players or whatever. These guys view this as a fraternity and it's gotten worse air quotes. there, worse since this introduction of social media and, and all of those it's, it's, it's way less severe than it used to be. There used to be real NFL hatred player to player, back before these guys started to know each other really well. Now it's as easy as picking up a cell phone and texting or calling or hitting up somebody on social, and you just get to know each other in a different way. So there's less, the way you view it from your experience is different than what these guys feel. So I kind of wanted to reiterate that when you think about, you know, these guys, they don't take it as serious. Well, it's just different than it's ever been. And it's just their experience of knowing each other is, is less animosity or less rivalry. It's the rivalries, the fans more so than anything else. Sometimes there's little quotes that are provided or something like that that'll perk up a team or a player specifically, but it's just a reminder about that. Also, a reminder that in social about the, the blame for losses, you don't have to straw man this thing. You can talk about the quarterback. And also when you make a reference to how the quarterback played, that doesn't mean you're ignoring or absolving another issue from the game. You can't make 17 bullet points of blame for a 45-7 loss. You're going to talk about certain things. And here's a newsflash. It's probably going to be about the quarterback on Monday because people want to have discussions about the most important position in all of sports. So if you're getting offended by something and saying, well, everybody's... No kidding. I think we're gonna have a week-long blame session here. I'm sorry that you weren't sent the schedule of how this goes. Monday, quarterback, Tuesday, uh, offense, play caller, through Wednesday, defense, whatever. Talk about this later with our guests, but like they're gonna, you're gonna the blame goes around. Everyone watched the game. Everyone knows they were all miserable everywhere. But it doesn't mean, you know, you 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 have to jump into every statement about Baker Mayfield and say, well, the defense is to blame. He didn't give up 45. We get it, man. We totally get it. We understand. We watched the same game you did, and we totally understand that there was a cumulative effort in order to lose that game the way they lost that game. So um, let's talk about the game specifically real quick. Uh, The the Browns played a significant number of base in this game, 26 base snaps uh, to 26 nickel snaps, so pretty similar. The number of dime snaps keeps going down. I'm not entirely sure what's up with that. But that is, uh, that is definitely a trend. Now, the Patriots play a ton of 12 personnel, so the, the higher number of base uh, obviously makes a lot of sense to me. But, uh, you know, the dime stuff where they thought they'd get creative with these defensive backs is not, it's not something we continue to see happening. Um, as far as coverage, high volume of cover three continuing to shed cover four. They got into the teens again in cover one, so man. But the cover four stuff was down to like 10 snaps, only seven blitzes in this game, and Mac Jones hurt the blitz when he faced it, 5 of 7, 66, and a touchdown. So we're going to talk with Corey Kennan, our guest here, in just a minute about the issues with this defense collectively, the yo-yoing going on, I call it, or the up-and-down roller coaster of week-to-week week, or these segments of the season where they've given up blowouts and how it just doesn't make sense, really. Uh, so the, the, the plan here is clearly they're not going to blitz much, rely on, certain things to, to eliminate explosive plays and get guys where they want to. But it's important to remember, like, I think other teams have a great feel for what they're doing and the rules in which they're coaching. And I think that manifested itself with a great game plan from Josh McDaniels. On the um, grade sheet here, uh, high end was Miles Garrett with an 81.2 and Mac Wilson with a 78.8 and 24 snaps. Tommy Togia with a nice debut. That's a little silver lining. A 71.2 and 22 snaps, a 71.0 run grade. Much better than I anticipated. Actually had a tackle and an assisted tackle. Fought pressure at the line of scrimmage pretty well. I am encouraged by his first game. We'll see if that rookie up and down stuff can can be avoided but not totally sure it will be it's just a tough position early Jordan Elliott was the fourth highest grader at a 63.5 at the bottom end and JOK's first game back at 29.6 he had three um three tackles in the game but he missed a tackle and that hurt his grade overall his run defense was a 29.2 and then you go down the line I mean Malik McDowell 517 Malik Jackson 468 Greg Newsom 458 37.4 for John Johnson for Efei Denebo, and then all the way Troy Hill, 32.5. It was bad everywhere. I'm going to have the scouting notes up for you in the morning so you can dive into that if you're an OBR subscriber, if you really want to get granular on all of the issues in this game. They didn't show up. They didn't play hard. They didn't do their job. And there's blame being thrown around all over the place, and that's a microcosm of the big issue with this defense is where the blame goes and the public sort of – you know. Stuff going on right now from quotes about who's getting the blame, the lack of adjustments. It's concerning. It's very concerning. So we know they gave up 400 plus. We know they gave up 45 points. It looked like they quit on portions of the game. You have to. Somebody has to answer for it. So that's the tough thing. Is somebody has to answer for it. And you don't want to see sweeping changes in season. I don't think we do, but there are tough conversations to be had. I'm going to have one of those conversations with Corey Kinnan right here. I I think we touch on a lot of pertinent things, the things we don't know, the things we do know, and try to find if there's any answer to the gray area in between. So let's get over to that interview with Corey right now.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, welcoming in Corey Kennan. I think we need to talk about the Browns defense. And I don't I don't know what the answer is, man. I don't I don't even think they know what the answer is sometimes when you hear these guys talk between the coaches and the players. What I do know, Corey, is that it is it is definitely a group of talented individuals who have not gelled to form a spectacular unit. I think that that is something some teams, some franchises around the NFL have figured out specifically who the Cleveland Browns just played, who are clearly not as talented man by man as Cleveland but have a system in place that is able to plug and play players and make things difficult for opposing offenses. For the most part, Corey, the Browns have done some nice things on defense. They've had good weeks. The problem is the yo-yoing or the roller coaster where they'll put together some good weeks, but then they'll ultimately come back to the point where they give up 42 or 45 or something along these lines. Where are you on... We're 10 weeks in. Where are you on this defense?
2: Yeah, so if you asked me that last week, I would have given you a much different answer than this week last week. I mean, I would have said they're a top five team against the run. They're very good at at stopping the run, you know, middle of middle of the road, 19th ish against the pass. Not great. If we're looking at efficiency DVOA, those sorts of those sorts of numbers, not great, but not horrid. And now we, we, we enter this week and it's like, okay, well they couldn't stop the run at all. And they couldn't stop the pass either. So, uh, it's a it's whiplash it's kind of where I'm at like I, I just don't know how you can go one week to to bullying one of the better wide receiver units in the league and Jamar Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd to getting beat up by Mac Jones and Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne it just it doesn't make sense to me so it, it's like a puzzle that I'm building but like it's missing a piece like the piece just like it's out of the box somewhere the in challenge my room. the yeah. challenge yeah like
1: the challenge is finding the missing piece so do you think okay it's not a secret the Browns don't play an aggressive form of defense they're not going to be in your face all the time they're not going to blitz all the time they only blitz 7 times again in this game the same number as last week like is it a passive approach that leads to passive play and I'm not trying to, like, force feed you an answer here. I'm just talking out loud. Like, I don't know. I don't know. D- d- does that make sense? Like, in a passive yeah. approach where they try to funnel everything, and I get it, they're trying to limit explosives, so on and so forth. Has that led to guys feeling less um, responsible for the de- – like, I don't know. When you put more on a player, they start to feel like like they're responsible for the defense, and their part, their job, their role, the way the Browns try to just funnel things and keep things in front of them, it's almost like the approach lends itself to passive play at times, and I think that I do see that, but I don't know if they could still be going about it the right way, you know what I mean? I'm just like, do you have a, a problem with the structure, the basic philosophy of what Woods does, which is eliminating those explosives and letting your pass rush get after the quarterback, so on and so forth, because... It's a different approach than if you look at Miami or you look at New England or you look at Baltimore. It's different. It is definitely the, – the general core philosophy is different.
2: I think it would be – I think I would agree with you if I felt like what they were doing was allowing their pass rushers to get home. But, I mean, if we look at the, the personnel you have at corner, you have three twitchy, like, dudes with a lot of length – and you would think putting them up closer to the line of scrimmage would would move receivers off their spot, would force quarterbacks to move their eyes uh, if they see their receiver is struggling to get off the line of scrimmage. And it would allow pass rushers to get home. But And, and I, I do get taking away over the top, but like at some extent there has to be a middle ground to initially forcing receivers and forcing quarterbacks discomfort while also not not getting beat over the top. I don't. I don't know what that is. But but if you look at what Mac Jones did yesterday on Sunday, uh, whenever you're listening to this, it, it, it's it. He half of his passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage. He made a couple of really nice throws, uh, especially that that drive he hit Jacoby Myers on one on one on New and then threaded that one for the touchdown. But for the most part, he just he he took it. Um, and it's it's because. These receivers they have who aren't known for separating. Nikhil Harry, that's his, that's his, his Achilles heel. Jacoby Myers, he's not gonna, he's not gonna separate. But, but they gave them free releases, and so Mac didn't really have to, to move his eyes. So I don't know. There has to be some sort of middle ground between yes, limiting those big plays, but also we just can't keep, we can't keep, keep giving them their spot every time.
1: I think that in this game, if you watch it, New England had them pretty schemed up and i I don't think the players were necessarily wrong in coming after the coaches i think they for example new england knows that the the browns interior d tackles are not run game game changers i guess i don't know the best way to phrase that they don't they don't change the run i mean malik uh, jackson is a 47.5 run defense grade with a 29.5 tackle grade for the year and then you have Malik McDowell, who is doing a nice job in pass rush, which is, I think, his M.O., 19 pressures inside, pretty strong. And even Jackson has 19 or 22 pressures from the inside, so I don't want to discredit him. But And Malik McDowell also has a 29.1 tackle grade. So what the Browns have done a nice job of is taking their ends when they read run and really being heavy inside players. And I thought New England did a great job of knowing that the Browns are pretty much going to do... Their contained players never change. Like, very rarely do their contained players change in terms of the upfront group. So they said, we're going to reverse you guys to death. We're just going to blindside you with a slot or a tight end, or we're going to even on the first reverse... Remember when it went to first and 20? Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it was... it was uh, a, a, What they did was sell inside zone. They did It was a pretty unique little thing where... They sold inside zone real quick, and he hands it off to Stevenson, and then he quick flips it to Bourne so that the Browns, everybody went on their run fit, that ends squeeze inside, so they get 15 cheap yards. They also yeah. know that the Browns are going to be heavy upfield guys whenever they read pass, period. So they did that lead draw a couple times for big yards where they're selling pass, and then fullback leads downhill on the, on the ISO from a lead draw situation. <laughs> You know, the ends, what they did was make Miles and Jadevian irrelevant. And this gets to my general point. And I need to know if you're feeling this way too, which is teams are taking what the Browns' rules are. You know, hey, we're teaching our ends to play this way, we're teaching our three by one coverage to be done this way, we're teaching our quarters poach to be done this way, and they're manipulating it. Now, I don't know. Again, my perspective of the NFL, Corey, is oftentimes the offense of the Browns and the defense of the Browns, and that's my lens. I don't branch out because I don't have time to branch out all the time. But it does feel to me like teams have them schemed up and are using the teaching points or the tendencies to beat them with them or create advantages. Am I wrong? And if I am wrong, tell me what you are seeing that's different than that, or maybe you just agree. I, I don't think it. I mean, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I don't even think it's arguable. It's pretty clear that Josh McDaniels mm-hmm. knew everything the Browns were going to do on defense.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong, and I don't know if it's a product of you know your your safety is a, is a new player. You're starting one of your starting edges is a new player. You're starting Mike is a new player. Uh, you're starting Will is a new player. So maybe it's a. <sighs> It's a, it's a product of, of having all of these new players, but we're 10 weeks in, so you would think they'd be able to, week by week, come up with, with different fits, different different coverage schemes. I'd, I, and maybe that's a year, too, but like the amount of guys on one-year contracts doesn't make it seem like it's going to be easy, any easier next year, if, if that is the case. So uh, it's a situation where, where I, I don't have a better answer than what you just gave, and it's, it's it's just sticky because we're we're ten weeks in now and we're just I'm shaking my head I'm saying I I, I don't know it's just it's just amazing
1: know. to me when you think about the NFL as the PhD of football players like even if you get a dumb sorry for lack of a more intelligent term on my end uh, a dumb football player at the NFL level they're still graduate level in it, like football people they've been around the game a long time. And they've been coached at their position for a significant amount of time. So even if they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer at any given position, they've at least been exposed to it. So they are the PhD players. Like You're telling me 10 weeks in we can't be more diverse? You can't get your message across to your guys? Like Is that the crutch? To me, if there's anything that says that Joe Wood's job is on the line, And again, I am very patient with coordinators. I really, Mm -hmm. really try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But if you're 10 weeks in and you feel like, A, we are being too complex, and I'm telling you, I'm watching the Browns defense. (laughs) I I don't sit here and think it's overly complex. But if you're saying that and our guys can't take the coaching, can't learn from it, then, what are you how How are you an effective teacher, right? Like that to me, I'm not worried about the blitz numbers. I'm not worried about, you know, I'm not worried about the coverage splits. I'm just worried about if you're telling me we need to be simple because the guys are all new and they can't handle it. And I'm not saying Joe Woods has really said that, but that's got to be the presumption at some point. Mm-hmm. They don't get crazy with their fronts. They don't get crazy with their coverage rotations a lot. I don't see a whole bunch of like, oh man, they just ran Daniel and from walked up off the edge to the too high safety. They don't get crazy like that. And they don't do what Miami did, where they said, hey, beat us. We're going to take away the one thing you are really good at, and then we're going to say, hey, beat us. You can't tell me that Miami has better personnel than the Browns. You can't tell me New England has better personnel. The individual parts, now there are some spots where it's like, eh, I know, I kind of see it, but to me, if I'm saying Joe Woods needs to go, it's because not, it's not necessarily the scheme. To me, it's like, is he an effective teacher, right? Like, that's yeah. that's my biggest question. What, what is, With Joe Woods, like, if you're, I don't know what side you're on, Corey, you can tell me where you're at with him, but... To me, it's the teaching aspect that I get concerned about. How can you not get your message through to these NFL players who have been playing this game for a long time?
2: Yeah, I, I am back on the fence now. I've been pretty pretty pro Woods for for the most part for most of the season, but it, I mean, it's hard at some point to to. I mean, it's similar to the the, the people who are like very pro Mayfield. At some point, it just becomes too hard to say you know what? I'm going to stick it out with this guy. And that, that that's kind of what I'm feeling with woods right now. And I, I mean, if you just look at some of the, the things that miles and John Johnson were saying, I mean, it's pretty indicative of what you're saying. It's, it's pretty indicative of what we're seeing on the field. It's just, and I don't know if he, if he's, if he's struggling to delegate to positional coaches, if there's positional coaches, he doesn't trust, or if there's players, he doesn't trust. But at the end of the day, you're right. It, it comes back onto woods and, and, uh,
1: that's the tough part. That's the tough part. At the end-of-the-day theory, the cliche, you know, if, if the Browns don't – I think Kevin Stefanski's a fantastic coach. Mm-hmm. I have my personal beliefs for why the offense isn't – is not performing the way it should be performing. But if you go to New England and you lay a 45-7 clunker, that yeah. does fall on the head coach. Yeah. It's 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 just the fact of the matter. If you go there and give up 45 points to a team that – You know, I got respect for NFL dudes, but Hunter Henry and and Kendrick Bourne and, 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 you know, like Jacoby Meyer. Really? 45? That Mm -hmm. ultimately, whether it's the player's fault or your fault, front and center, it does come back on you. It's a results-based business. And you can be the greatest whiteboard guru in the history of whiteboard gurus. And if you can't take what you know, what your brain knows – and uh, and apply it to the players on the field, then you're useless. You're useless. What are mm-hmm. you know? You're not winning. It's not a whiteboard contest on Sundays. It's how do you get your message, your concept, your design into the mind of your players to to use it. So, you know, I don't know if Joe Woods feels strung up with personnel issues or if he feels he can't do certain things because mentally his guys can't handle it. But again, there are things with any firing or hiring that we will never know. It's just the nature of yeah. uh, sports and industry, really. But like the results have been far more inconsistent than we've thought. Now, if the if the if they're about to flip it, like if they okay if they they run the rest of the year and Joe sticks or like what do they need to get better at personnel wise? What parts of this whole thing, like if you're looking at it, where do they have to improve? to to do what they want to do because I I don't know. I don't think they're perfect at some spots, but I thought the personnel was here especially with Grant Delpit back healthy again mm-hmm. to do well enough to not I'm I'm not trying to discredit that they held 14-15 and 16 3 weeks in a row. That's great, but you you gave up 37 to a head coachless Cardinals team. You gave up you know 45 on the road to the Chargers. You give up 45 to to New England here and it's like mm-hmm that can't have any good defense that can't happen you can't have those types of games so what do they have to get where does the personnel shift in your opinion get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a
0: netflix live event happening may 5th
2: Yeah, so I mean, having Jok healthy is is a huge help, but um, it just it, it honestly seems like they're doing way too much to compensate for different players' lack of skill set, for a better word. So I mean, we talk you you talk about John Johnson all the time. John Johnson is not playing where he played in in, in Los Angeles, where he thrived in Los Angeles, and it's hurting him, and it's and it's hurting the defense as a whole. So when i when i look at it it, it, it's you're you're missing one player and it's because you're trying to mask that one player so uh, a safety you know you talked about grant delpit who has range over the top grant delpit in 2018 at lsu was one of the best defensive players in the nation and and got that recognition battled through injuries 2019 2020 same thing can can he be that guy over the top who who can prevent some big plays. Who can who can kind of mask some some maybe coverage coverage fails from from some young corners. I think that would give them the freedom to to have more versatility with their young and, and quite frankly some of the most talented corners in, in the league. Like I would say, Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward are one of the more talented duos that you, that you could find. Um, but they're being very restricted because again they're afraid to give up that big play and. Uh, <sighs> So I guess I guess the the short answer is you just got to play John Johnson where you got to play John Johnson, and I, I understand that you're 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 playing him over the top right now because you have to compensate for 33 skill set. But at this point, it's just like I, I don't know why I don't know how much longer you can compensate for a guy's skill set who clearly at this point isn't giving you anything on the field. So I think it starts there with with putting your personnel where where they're going to where they're going to thrive. You pay John Johnson $13 million a year, put him where he's going to be most effective. Uh, and I don't know what that means for the rest of the back end of that defense, because again, that does leave maybe a hole, you know, can grant Delta be that guy over the top uh, is Richard LeCount still in the doghouse. We don't know. Does he get some reps to, to, maybe flash to see if he has some range over the top to, to kind of play where John Johnson's playing right now. But I think it starts with, you have to put your playmakers in position to make plays. And, um, that starts with with 43
1: yeah it's it's frustrating to watch guys with diverse skill sets kind of being pegged into doing one thing all the time i and i don't know i don't pretend to know i'm watching the all 22 and that's all you can do as an outsider trying to break this thing down but the comments from players and the comments from not the comments from anybody other than the players. The players stuff is concerning talking about mm-hmm. things that should have been fixed. Um, the the root of what they're trying to do on defense though is is I think been captured. I think I think the NFL has really, really figured it out and and New England, as I mentioned before the game, they're going to find ways and Josh has been doing this for so long, they're gonna mm-hmm. find ways to take what you do and use it against you the same way the defense does as well. They they will find issues and try to pinpoint those issues. The perimeter run game has been a consistent problem the past four weeks, month really, uh, a little over a month, where teams run pin pull and they have no issue getting back mm-hmm. inside because of interior pursuit. Uh, you know, because they I just think they have a really good feel for how not only how the ends are going to play, but who's going to be the contain guy. Like they really don't have any fear of a different player being a support player and then that defensive end fighting inside. You know what I mean? So, you know, to the, I, I don't, I don't know. They, they should be better. And while I like some of the things that Joe Woods does, I don't know how you can keep on keeping on with the money you invested in these guys and the draft capital you invested and feel like it's acceptable. Now, the other side of the football is, is is being it's been a lot of the day being discussed particularly the quarterback like i think browns twitter needs to set a, uh, a a a schedule of conversation like monday you're allowed to talk about the quarterback tuesday you have to talk about the defense because it's so funny watching so many people be like you know hey here's something the quarterback's doing wrong well what about the defense and then someone says something about the defense well the offense only put up 7 points they're tired of being out there so we need like designated days where, okay, Monday we're going to talk about quarterback play, Tuesday we're going to talk about uh, how did they support the quarterback or not support the quarterback or play calling issues, and Wednesday we'll get to the defense so we can blame them. It's just so funny watching people just kind of bicker back and forth on, yeah, hey, man, I can make a comment about somebody being bad while also knowing and having said that these other people were also really bad in this game. You know, like, it's it's a nightmare out here, man. But, um, yeah. Browns defense is is a is a roller coaster Corey. I don't really mm-hmm. know how the rest of the year is gonna play out for them. I, I don't have a good feeling. I don't feel like let me ask you this as we close. Have you felt like watching any game? Have you left it saying I loved what Joe Woods did in this game? I really feel like the Browns out schemed this team the way we've seen them be schemed up sometimes. I could maybe say it after the Bengals game, but mm-hmm. that one felt to me like a lot of individual catch point performances, not necessarily confusing Joe Burrow or something like that. I felt like just Jamar chase didn't come down with four opportunities and that and T Higgins in the end zone. And that changes it. Right. So has there been any game you can think of? I, you know, maybe Minnesota, like, I don't, what do you think? Is any of it stuck out to you as, whoa, look at this really super fun rink. I think Minnesota probably, because they did the 6-1. And I'm answering your question again. I don't mean to do that. I'm opening this to you. But, like, I'm, I'm also mentally thinking simultaneously.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Minnesota, Minnesota game. Yeah, I also, like, I mean, they, they did some, some good stuff in the Chicago game, which is also, you know, uh, a, a rookie quarterback in his first career start. But yeah. some of the stuff they did with, with bringing Grant Delpit on delayed pressure uh, downhill, there were, there was a little bit of, of wrinkle and it, it, I don't know more, more exotic approaches. Um, but for the most part, no, it's been again, seven blitzes. There the, it, it's not very exotic up front. Um, <sighs> Do you no. feel like
1: the players <laughs> like it? Do you think that they like playing this defense? Do you get
2: that vibe? I would say, I think probably, maybe your nickel. I think Troy Hill, and now Troy Hill, uh, I think maybe Troy Hill has enjoyed, you know, how well he is thrown into run fits on early downs. He's a big reason why they were able to run nickel on, you know, some first and second down situations and mm-hmm. kind of the versatility that, that he brought. But outside of that, maybe your edge rushers, but... No, I mean your corners can't be happy. If you look at the, the skill sets of Greg Newsome and Denzel Ward, they can't be happy that they're playing yeah. shell as, as often as they are. John Johnson can't be happy where he's at. No, no. Yeah,
1: I th- I think they do. I do I do think they do some things well. You know, they they they. I think the listen. I'll put it this way. I think the Browns are really <clears throat> chalkboard savvy. Like when you draw up a defense for hey. Here's my answer to weak zone. Here's my answer to this, that, and the other. I think I think they're chalkboard sound, but I also think teams have a great feel for what they want to do on, as a defense and say the good coordinators across the league, the really good ones, are going to pick them apart, are going to find out where their weakness is based on how they play and the principles that they won't break – and they will continue to get picked apart by those situations. That's what I think. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that they'll get exotic. I don't think that they'll also. I like. I also don't think to the point about earlier with the, the Miami approach. Like I also don't think Joe Woods will say, "Screw it, man. My dogs are better than your dogs, and I'm going to let them go. I'm going to play catch man at ten yards." And I'm not saying they haven't played Baltimore. I'm not using this really as an example for what they did or didn't do against Baltimore. Who knows what that'll look like? But mm-hmm. eventually some teams will just throw a game plan out the window. Like this would have been a perfect game to say, screw what we've done. We're better than new England personnel wise. And we're going to play 50% man. We're going to, we're going to just throw it out and just throw them off guard and do everything they don't expect. And, but that's my point. Like they won't there. I don't see that as being something Joe Woods will, will do. I just, I don't think Mm -hmm. he's adventurous like that. So, if you're looking for a really sound scheme at a coaching clinic, I think you could find that in Cleveland and I think Joe Woods can do that. But uh you know, I don't I just don't think that they're ever going to be like where an NFL national writer is like, "Look at these crazy things the Browns did on defense to take away this team's whatever whatever." So That is the sort of situation now. I guess the question is, is, this is the last one, and we'll let you go, Corey, is do you think Joe Woods, I don't think he gets fired in season. I just don't think that's going to be their approach ever. Uh, But do you think he lasts the season at the rate he's going, or do you think they turn it around and he does figure it out and figures out a way
2: to get a third year? Uh, At this rate, no. Um, We've mentioned a lot of things, but the one thing we haven't mentioned is his it seems unwillingness to make an in-game adjustment as well. So yeah. he'll get picked apart at one thing and just run it right back. Um, and that's yeah. not going to, that's not going to fly. Yeah. And that speaks so, loudly
1: at, when miles says that when like, miles hey. says, yes,
2: it's, it's crazy. So yeah. at this current rate, uh, it's, it's hard. To, I mean, it, it's hard to say. I mean, it's kind of like, again, Baker Mayfield, he'll go out and he'll light a game up and then play it like, crap a game and then light a game up and it's it's kind of the same cycle with with woods and and defensive performances you look and you say oh 16 points that's really good yeah 300 yards passing but okay uh but (laughs) (laughs) so no i mean that's a long way of saying no yeah at this current rate (laughs) yeah
1: i don't um i don't feel particularly good about it if they go to the place i fear they're destined to go which is a nine and eight ish finish outside looking in uh, I, I someone's going to have to pay for that. And mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be your head coach play caller. It's going to be, how do we get the defense on track to be a better sum than what the individual, you know, yeah. uh, the, the same sum that the individual parts are because there's talent there. You know, they could crutch on the no talent in important positions last year, but they can, they can't do that this year. So I don't know, folks, Corey and I are perplexed. We don't totally have all the answers. But there are questions being asked by important people and comments that speak largely from players, and it is not even when they've been good, it's not always been fun, right? Like that's the big thing, even like when they've held teams to 14, 15, 16, before, it has not always been it's not always been fun. So I don't know we'll keep keep on keeping on. hopefully they figure some things out and and Joe woods can try to salvage what has been uh, far under the expectation for what this defense could be. Uh, But you know, this is again, isolated defense. We'll get to offense tomorrow where there is a whole bunch of stuff wrong. But uh, Corey and I tried to lay that out for you, what the defense's issue is as best we could. And, and kudos to new England. They, they, (laughs) they schemed up things perfectly. And it is why I believe Josh McDaniels is, is destined to be, a great OC his whole career, and that's perfect for him. Like part of the, being successful in the NFL for a long time is self evaluation. What do I do well? What do I not do well? And he's a he's a dang good OC. I just don't know that he'll ever be a good head coach, but he can really scheme you up when given the opportunity. So Corey, thanks for joining, man. Appreciate your insights. Tell everybody where they can find you real quick before you go.
2: Yeah, so I I mean, I am still with uh, S.I. Brown's Digest, uh, which is where I did the majority of my writing. I've also started writing for Stats Perform as well, which is a new site that I started writing for. So uh, those are the two main places. Uh, I also have a podcast, Nothing rhymes With Orange as well. So, All right, man. Appreciate your time. Corey, make sure you check out his stuff. He's one of the best doing it,
1: and we appreciate you, man.
2: Absolutely, Jake. Anytime you need me.
1: All right, guys, thanks for joining us today. Thanks to Corey for his time. Appreciate you guys supporting, even through the rough and ugly times that can happen for this franchise, such as that loss to New England, where it does feel. I had to put out a tweet, man, when you lose 45-7 in that fashion, like what year is this? It is a inconsistent football team and a weird season, and um, – much like you, I'm searching for answers. I have to think about this team all the time. I have to think about how they get better, where they go, what the future looks like, and I'm just, I'm perplexed and I'm mentally worn down about them. Uh, to, to the same way I'm sure you feel too, where you don't know what to expect on Sundays. Is it a good team? Is it a bad team? Who knows what they show up looking like with, uh, with the Lions? And I don't. I really don't know, guys. I really don't know, and I'm searching for answers. And I'm trying to talk to people who have their opinions on it. And, uh, you know, feel free to share with me on social your opinion on it too. I'm always open to discourse, uh, with this stuff. So, you know, your again, your support means the world to me. Some of you who won hats, I have to get those out to you because they were shipped back due to a mistake. I will hit you guys up. Those of you who won the first round of giveaway hats, because there is a giant issue with the post office here. So those are going to go back out again, um, shortly so i will like i said dm most of you but i wanted to in case you don't check your dms and only listen to the pod i wanted to make you aware of that those will be going out again soon so appreciate you guys very much have a fantastic tuesday and go browns